Let's talk about leaving your job as a tenured, almost tenured professor in it to becoming a blogger. Can A students actually make entrepreneurs when the world says, nope, A plus students do an awful job. And what to look for in a mentor. Hey there, Home Slice. You're listening to the Do the Brave Thing online business podcast, where it is our soul and soul's mission to eradicate this idea that nice people finish last in business and to put money in the hands of good people so they can do good with it. And hey, you're listening, so that makes you a good, nice person. And I want to make sure that you can get your products and services, whether they're just an idea in your head or something you are currently selling out to the massive in a way where they just want to throw their credit cards at you all of the time and actually thank you for taking their money. This podcast is gonna give you dangerously actionable tips to do just that, but we're also gonna work on your mindset because yeah, sure, you can use contractions in your emails to sound less robotic, but if you can't find the time to write something or keep on second guessing yourself and never hit send, well, it doesn't much matter anyways. You're also gonna hear inspiring stories from other online business owners who dared to do the brave thing because when you default to doing the brave thing, you are going to see massive growth in your business. Now let's get to it. Oh, welcome back, my Do the Brave Thing Home Slices. Kate Donster here of katedonster.com, and I am super excited for this interview today where we are interviewing Samantha Redford from Evidence Based Mommy, one of my favorite people on the planet. She's also the lead listy in the Love Your List group coaching community experience. Because she was such an amazing student, I'm like, can I pay you to do what you're already doing right now, even though that's not really your gig? And she's like, for you? Yeah, sure. Why not, Kate? So in this interview, and what I wanted to talk to Samantha about was that transition of going from a very respectable job, again, she was actually a science professor in college and on the tenure track at that, into becoming her own boss, into becoming a blogger. What that was like for herself, for her family, um, how she dealt with naysayers and spectators, because as you know, When you're first starting or even introducing yourself as a quote unquote, just blogger, how that can work. We also talk about the different ways that you can make money as a content creator, what to look for in a mentor. And I did want to give a slight sort of trigger warning at the beginning of this, we are talking about Samantha summit that she's running and it is based on breastfeeding. So if you're feeling sensitive around that topic, maybe you have struggled with it in the past or are currently struggling with it right now. And you just can't even, I would definitely maybe scrub ahead about six or seven minutes because we do talk about some other juicy topics, but as a mom who struggled with nursing a lot, I can definitely sympathize with people that are just like, I can't right now. So we are going to talk about how to deal with rejection, how to deal with not being able to get 110% on all of your entrepreneurial tests. We're actually going to be talking about different ways that you can make money online and how to find the mentors and courses that you are going to need to help you out, that it is okay to try things and what to do when, as we call it, you're not quite at that hockey stick moment. So what that means is you're putting in all your effort, all your effort, and all of a sudden sort of shoots up. What do you do when you're in that messy middle and it's not quite shooting up? So this is a really great interview. You're going to learn a lot about it. And we talk about some science in there as well. So I'll see you later on. All right, my Do the Brave Thing home slices. Like I said, I am super excited for this interview about doing the brave thing, about switching from a stable career in academia to actually starting your own business and the trials and tribulations, because we'd like to think it's rainbow and sunshines, but sometimes it can be a little uphill battle, but it does end up being better in the end, I personally think. But I'm so excited to welcome Samantha Indeed. to the show. Hi, Samantha. Hi, Kate. Yay. It's so exciting to be here. (laughs) All right. So why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and let us know your pronouns. Sure. So I am Samantha Radford and I go by she and her. Excellent. And what is the name of your business? 
Oh, yes, I should. <laughs> so I own Evidence-Based Mommy, where I combine science and wellness to help moms and kids thrive. And I also do an annual summit called Breastfeeding Beyond Babyhood. And that's all about supporting and celebrating breastfeeding and chest feeding past the first year. Ooh, that's really interesting. What made you decide to do a summit around that topic in particular? Yeah, so I, um, I've nursed all my kids. I have four children and I've nursed them all for at least like two and a half years. My youngest is three and he's still going. And so as you mentioned, you know, my previous life was in academia. I was a chemistry professor. Um, my first few years of that, I was down in Georgia back home and I moved up to Pennsylvania in 2014. So I had a one-year-old. Um, I was still nursing her. And I had a new job and we didn't have any family up here and it was super stressful and I got pregnant with my second child as well. So I'm still nursing through pregnancy. You can do that under most circumstances, which is a whole nother thing. Um, but I started having this thing where mentally and emotionally, I wanted to continue breastfeeding my daughter because I knew that was what was best for her. I knew that the World Health Organization suggested to breastfeed for at least two years and then as long as mother and baby both mutually desire. Like I knew all this stuff, but there was just something, it was like being touched out, um, but just really intense. Like when she was nursing, I just had this like get off of me, like skin crawling, like creepy feeling that just like I would rather it hurt because I knew, you, you know, like, you know how to deal with when something hurts, but when it's like emotional, like gross at your own child, like that's really hard to deal with. And I had a lot of like, first of all, I had no idea what was going on, um, but there was a lot of guilt and shame and angst about like, what's wrong with me? Why do I not want to nurse my baby and all this? Um and I continued breastfeeding her even after the baby was born. So I had a toddler and a newborn. Um, it's called tandem feeding. So I tandem fed those two. And I continued to have that reaction, not always, but a lot of times with my toddler. But I never had it with my newborn. And so I eventually learned that this is a real thing that some people deal with. It's called nursing aversion. And it was just, it was really hard, you know, so... I ended up like I ended up weaning that daughter um, eventually because that nursing version was just too much. But I mean, through all those experiences of like the isolation and the not having the support, you know, dealing with nursing aversion, going through like the tandem feeding and the nursing through pregnancy, all those different things, I realized that that's something that a lot of moms deal with. Um the first, you know, few weeks or months or whatever of breastfeeding, of course, we always need more support for that. There's not enough support out there, but there's a lot out there about like, oh no, is my baby latching right? Like, oh no, I'm afraid that my supply is down. Um, but once you get to say like nine months, 12 months, people either assume that like you're supposed to wean, which we just said, you know, actually is not the case, or they assume that you have it all figured out but they don't realize that there's this whole new host of challenges that can crop up. So that's what breastfeeding beyond babyhood is all about. It's a, is celebrating, you know, the parents who are choosing to continue to nurse their child and supporting them through all those different challenges they may go through. 
Excellent. I think that is awesome. And I love that of all of the things that you talk about, you chose to do a summit around something that you were really personally affected by and passionate about. I feel like, especially in your field and with having your chemistry background, you could have chosen to have a summit dealing with a myriad of issues, again, like chemicals in the home or this or this or science and evidence-based child rearing and those sorts of things. So I think that it's really cool that you went ahead and you picked something that you were just so passionate about because then, you know, you'd want to, again, promote the summit more. You've got the energy behind it. And I can tell you're really, really passionate about it. And it definitely <laughs> comes through. So I would love to know, how did you get started in online business? So like you were in academia, most people would consider those like a great job. I don't know if it was tenure or adjunct or whatever, but like, what made you decide, like, I want to do this online thing? Yeah. So it was an interesting transition. <laughs> um, I was tenure track and, you know, you, you've talked about, it's not always sunshine and rainbows as an online business owner, which is absolutely true. That's also true of being tenure track. Um, you know, there's a lot of pressure. Basically the way that works is it's almost like you're on a five, four to six year, like, interview almost because <laughs> they're following you know what all you do they want to see how well you're teaching they want to look at the research that you're doing and they want to know about how you're serving both the university and the community and they look at all that for four to six years and depending who is on the panel that evaluates you know your whole dossier that you put together at the end of that time depending on you know, who's in your department and how good of leadership you have there, depending on how much, you know, the other people in that committee who looks at your dossier, you know, how much they like the people who's the chair of your department and whether or not they have any like tiffs. There's all this stuff like it may or may not out. And there's a lot of things you can't control. And there's it can be very catty in academia. Um, so, I mean, there's something to be said about owning your own business and like, yeah, there's always more to do, but at least like the hoops that you have to jump are ones you set for yourself. You know what I mean? I 1000% um, get that. <laughs> yes. So basically, I like I said, I was in chemistry and specifically I do something called exposure science. So it's basically looking at what kinds of chemicals are there in the environment? How are we affected by them? How are we exposed to them? And especially, you know, even though I started this before I had children, um, I always looked at young children because it's kind of like a butterfly effect thing. You know, the earlier someone is exposed to a toxic chemical, the bigger of an impact it can have on their health, like for their whole life. So I was always looking at, you know, babies and children, like young children, toddlers, um, even though I had no idea that I would be starting this business at the time. And so at first I had been looking at pesticides and how pesticides affected health. When I moved up to this area to Pennsylvania, I found that there was a lot of people impacted by lead. So Older homes tend to have lead paint in them that can have 
really intense lifelong effects on children, on their mental health, on their physical health, on everything. And so I really wanted to pursue helping with um, remediation for lead. So like, how could I get involved with the community to actually, I didn't want for what I did with chemistry to just be academic. Like I really wanted it to actually help people. And well, I mean, there were some other factors too, but it feels like in academia, like, you know, we've known lead is bad for probably centuries, at least decades, you know, um, we're realizing more and more just how bad it is, but because we already know it's bad and because we already know that the lead is there in the paint, there's nothing new to learn scientifically from that front. So it's not like a sexy topic. Whereas those pesticides that I was doing before are more of an emerging field because we're always changing which pesticides that we use until we realize, you know, the curtain iteration is bad. So we pick a new bad one. Um, and so it did not work in my favor that I wanted to continue looking at lead because it was seen as, oh, well, that's already been done before, as opposed to like, there are kids in the city right near us that are being impacted by lead exposure, you know, and they're going to have lowered IQs and harder times with, um, like attention deficit and impulse control and all this stuff. So like, why aren't we helping them? Got it. So what made you decide to leave academia? I mean, partially I had thought about, you know, for years, like I said, like, how could I have a more direct impact on people? And I mean, partially there were some awkward financial things <laughs> going on at our university that I won't get into. But once it kind of started looking a little dubious, we'll say, um, I was talking to a friend, actually a yoga teacher of mine, and I told her, I was like, I think it would be cool to start a blog. I was like, I could call it evidence-based mommy. And I could like combine the science stuff I do with the parenting stuff that like, you know, even for my own parenting, I would go into like academic literature and read so that I would know kind of what's best practice, learn more about breastfeeding or co-sleeping or whatever. And she's like, I think you should. And so I did. So I pretty much just Googled how to start a blog, which is not how I recommend <laughs> starting a blog, but that's how I did it. <laughs> and here we are. Great. So were you still at the university and you had the four kids and you were blogging? Were you juggling all of that or was it like different transition periods? So it was three kids at the time. Um, I had the blog... So I had the blog, um, I started it 2018. I ended up leaving the academic job at the very end of 2019. So there was some overlap there. Uh, my fourth child was born right at the beginning of 2020, like right before the lockdown and all that kind of stuff. So there was definitely like some overlap, but nice transition too. Okay. So there was some overlap. It wasn't like one, like ensuing event. So were you somebody who, cause I know that we read this a lot, like on Pinterest and stuff, somebody like starts a blog. And then like three months later, they're like, I replaced my income. Um, was it more of no. a slower growth? <laughs> was it more like, how, how did that pan out? Cause I think that it's really important that we sort of share these stories. So, um, how would you, how long would you say that it was taking to get traction? 
Um, you know, how did you juggle the time between the three kids? I'm assuming that you had to research and you had to teach classes. So how, how bring us back to sort of that whole time, if you don't mind. Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, when I very first started it, it was in July. Classes started at the end of August. So, like, I really cranked out a lot then. Um, my kids were, my youngest was like two. Yeah, my youngest was, at the time, was two um, of those three. And so, I mean, sometimes I would take my computer, you know, with me to work and like during breaks between classes or something, I'd have my door closed if it wasn't office hours and work on it there. Sometimes I would just work on it in the evening afterwards because it was new and I was super excited and like I had the energy and drive to do that. That's not sustainable forever, but you know, for short spurts, you can do that. And um, yeah, so that worked away. You know, I was able to do more in the summer again, kind of the next year. And, but no, it was not like that magical, you know, I have 50,000 page views and a hundred thousand dollars. Like, no, (laughs) um, it took probably a couple years. I mean, last year, last year was the first year that I got close to, you know, making the same thing that I was making before, but it was nice. I had you know, I had some backups. So like I said, um, my baby was born that January of 2020. Technically, even though that was the last semester of my job, I had maternity leave through that time. So I had a cushion that way. Um, Because of the way that everything fell with the lockdown and the pandemic and all that, I was able to have unemployment for a little bit longer because I was not making enough with the blog to like, not qualify for unemployment at that time. And of course, you know, my husband was making enough that we could work through that. So, I mean, I definitely had, you know, some cushion there, which I'm appreciative of because that gave me the time to be able to build over time. Because, I mean, like you said, it is hard um, with four kids. So I'm fortunate enough, a couple years after we moved up here, our in-laws moved, or my in-laws, his parents moved up here too. And so my father-in-law keeps the toddler three days a week and gets the kids after school for that. So they hang out with Papa and they, they love must it. love and that. <laughs> they they must do love, love that. All of them. They do. Yeah. Yeah, they do. Um, And so that gives me an opportunity to work. Cause I don't know how I would get anything done, you know, without that. Um, So, I mean, we make it work. Like sometimes I do a little bit in the evening after they're in bed or sometimes you know if I wake up at three in the morning and I just like cannot go back to sleep and I have this brilliant idea or whatever like I'll go get stuff done I swear that's the most productive time but then I'm like wrecked for the next day so again that's not what I recommend I'm just being honest about (laughs) how things actually work you know I I love that so you know, here on Do the Brave Thing, we really like to get into the nitty-gritty because we want everyone to sort of relate to it Again, because you were coming from such a prestigious career of a tenure track science professor to all of a sudden, quote, I'm a blogger. Like, how did your immediate like friends and family are those like people on the outskirts? Like, did they treat you any differently? Like, did you feel weird talking about this? Like, I know that a lot of people, especially at the beginning stage, can be sort of apprehensive. So I'd love to hear about like how that was. 
Would you rather crawl across glass naked or have to stand in line at the DMV with Taco Bell tummy? You know what I'm talking about. Then actually have to write an email to your list. I mean, you don't want to come off too salesy and what if you're boring and you don't want to add to all of the noise. And somehow every single week, besides the cold sweat, you bust out with being finger tied, you know, instead of tongue tied because you're actually typing. Don't you just wish that you could just magically snap your fingers and almost have somebody else write your emails for you? Well, that's exactly what you're going to get when you invest in the Email Marketing Fairy. The Email Marketing Fairy template set is over 50 grab and go newsletters, welcome series, and even an 11 part sales funnel that you can use as an amazing jumping off point to actually write emails that connect with your audience, get replies, and most importantly, get those buy buttons hit. And all you need to do to get your hands on this, along with almost $100 worth of free bonuses, is by heading on over to theemailmarketingfairy.com. That's right, head on over to theemailmarketingfairy.com and you will never have to awkwardly tell your list, hey, I know it's been a while, ever again. I still feel a little weird, even though like I've got all this amazing stuff going on, like I still think, you know, so like I'll talk to my aunt back home and like I'll tell her, you know, I've got this event and I've um, reached out to these hundreds of different breastfeeding coalitions. And, you know, within the past two years, we've had 1200 people at this event. Like, I don't think it hits, you know, cause you don't see it cause it's like on the computer. And if it's not something that you do, like it's weird for them, you know? So, I mean, they vaguely know that I do stuff online and it's about parenting and breastfeeding, <laughs> but I don't know if they get it. Um, it has been helpful. So my dad, actually, he owns his own business. He's does landscaping and he has for 30, 35 years, something like that. So even though, you know, of course it's, I don't even know that brick and mortar is quite right. Cause you know, he goes wherever and fits out like their trees and shrub, you know, same kind of thing. Like, I don't know. I vaguely know that <laughs> there are flowers involved, but, um, <laughs> it's nice to have his perspective and be able to talk about, you know, the same kind of thing. Like if I'm trying to decide whether or not to work with a brand and like, am I, are they in alignment with my values? How do I handle that? Or if I'm trying, you know, to make connections within like the online community and it's frustrating because I don't know how to handle that. Like, even though it's different because it's real life, like he has parallel um, experiences that he can talk about with me. So that's actually been really helpful. I think that's nice. I think that a lot of people, like, would you ever feel weird if like one of your colleagues, like read one of your blog posts? Probably. I mean, like, oh, well, <laughs> um, <laughs> I love that. It's like, no, well, that's, that's interesting too, because, you know, you have friends at work and you assume because Whenever it was so toxic at <laughs> at that university while things were like there was the fallout going on, you know, it's like we're all in this together trying to survive all the like craziness going on. Um, and so you assumed that that would be like one of those bonding experiences where even after you're gone, they would still talk to you, you know, but I finally like after a few years of like every once in a while DMing and realizing that they're not really answering back or they're like, Oh yeah, great. And just kind of moving on like, okay, I guess, you know, let's let those relationships go. Um, 
So, I mean, that, you know, that was surprising and different, but also I guess like if they're still under that situation, like they kind of have to protect themselves and okay. <laughs> I, I get that. So there yeah. is a really common phrase that goes around. I know like rich dad, poor dad says it. I think that like Gary V talks about this a little bit. And I'm wondering what your take is on it. And essentially it breaks down to C-level students make great entrepreneurs and A-level students don't. As somebody that obviously excelled at study to the point where you are almost a tenured professor, like what are your thoughts on that mindset? Do you have any? Or what challenges do you think uniquely face the A student as opposed to the C student who didn't care? I could totally see that. But honestly, that's kind of true of grad school too. Be- I- ironically, because, you know, as far as being a student, like I can take a course and I can learn the stuff and I can take the tests and I can do really well, you know, like I've, that's just what I've always done. That's something I can do. But once you're doing research or, and really a business is much much the same as research it's just the difference is like you have to have money <laughs> which can be true for research too as you advance and you're paying for your own grants or you know getting your own grants and stuff um but if you're really good at taking classes and getting all the a's and stuff you, you never see failure you always just like you always succeed you know and so it is definitely a mindset shift to be like, oh, I'm going to pitch all these sponsors. And if I'm lucky, 10% of them will even answer my email, you know, or like, oh, I'm going to write this blog post that is freaking magnificent. Like everybody needs to know this stuff, but like you get 10 page views a month, you know, or whether or not it's something that you go back to and revise it and make it better, or you just let it sit there and collect dust because you've got other things you could write instead. So there's a lot of, you have to get used to, it's okay that things didn't go exactly the way you thought, you know, that you weren't the person who was making $10,000 a month within the first six months, like they tell you, you could. For the record, to step in, when you really read between the lines in a lot of those posts, it's not the first blog that they've done. It's this new iteration of a different blog. And like I was chatting in a podcast interview that I had on somebody else's podcast. I'm like, I could lose it all tomorrow and I can rebuild it back in the next two weeks because once you learn how to do it, you can do it on repeat. So it's a lot faster. And you have the connections. So, cause you spend years, I mean, even just this year, like I said, we've, um, we're working on making new relationships with breastfeeding coalitions across the United States. And so this year out of 425 ish groups, we've got like 10 or 12 who have said yes. And like, you know, the old way of looking at it could be like, God, that sucks. Why do we put in all this effort? But you know, the actual, like the much better way to look at it is we've got the brave people who, you know, they don't know me. They don't know anything about what I do that are willing to like take that gamble on, you know, me and my brand. Um, And next year, you know, we'll be able to say, look at the results these coalitions have had, you know, you should join us too. And they'll be telling other people like, oh yeah, Breastfeeding Beyond Behoo is great. You should totally promote it as well. So, I mean, 
taking that long view too i think that's another thing the difference between the a student and the c student type thing is like the long just you know getting to the next step and it might be years but the growth you know will happen eventually speaking of actually that long view how do you sort of or how did you deal with and again it doesn't have to be pretty but how did you deal with sort of that messy middle that time before the hockey stick as they call it where you're putting in all this effort all this effort all this effort but like you're really not seeing the output results like wait a minute before things started ticking up how did you can go back to that like a year or two ago like what would you say to that samantha that's there um either comforting advice and what sort of practical advice would you have for her to to pull herself out of it to be able to get a little closer to hockey sticking up yeah. And I mean, I've even had to do that, you know, hosting a summit is such an emotional roller coaster. Like <laughs> I've had to do that for myself, um, even just, you know, within the past month or two, because like on some things, you're still at the bottom of the hockey stick. And on some things you're just depending on what you're looking at. Um, but basically, I mean, just consistency. And focusing on one thing for at least a little while, like maybe a quarter or something. So, for example, I guess it's been two or three years since I got Love Your List. And I mean, I took a whole summer just focusing on I'm going to work through Love Your List. So, like, I took, you know, a month where I thought about, okay, what are my best blog posts, my most visited blog posts, what kind of opt-in can I make for those blog posts? And then a month for, okay, I've got this opt-in you know, or these opt-ins, like what kind of welcome series do I need for that in a month to be like, how do I create, you know, the landing page? So, I mean, I really spent like a month per module. Um, and so I feel like that there's something to be said, you know, there's a combination of, you don't want like perfection to get in the way of just like getting stuff out there, but you also want to lay a good foundation so that, you know, it's not like, oh no, I've got 600 blog posts, but it's all a hot mess. And how do I like fix this into something that actually produces income, you know? Oh, definitely. So yes, everybody, I've probably mentioned it in the intro. Uh, Samantha is a fantastic student of Love Your List, so much so that I hired her to be my community manager. I'm like, I know this isn't what you do, but since she was already in the community and helping so much, I'm like, can I just pay you to do what you're already doing? She's like, okay. Because <laughs> that's just the way that Samantha's in. She's always willing to sort of pitch and she has, again, really good insights. And again, I love what you said about Sometimes we just need to, especially if you're in that perfectionism or that A student or that overachiever attitude, mm -hmm. realizing that your percentages change where we're not going for hundred percent anymore. Technically hundred percent is 2%, 5%, 10% is like somehow you managed to get like a 115% on your test. And so I really love that. And like you said about keeping the faith and being consistent, but also, you know, be realistic and like looking around to be like, well, am I? things so like you said you could create 600 blog posts but if you're not doing something to actually get people to it meaning like maybe they're not very seo friendly i know we're a big right. fan of mike pearson and his course stupid simple seo i link to that down below if you guys want to check it out yeah. i do believe he has uh, a free training still so i'll go and find that um again if you're not you know say utilizing seo or utilizing the collaborations or like you said you know reaching out to these coalitions to be able to like get yourself out there, 
you could be running around in circles because you can build it, but it doesn't necessarily mean people are going to come unless you get out there. Yeah. <laughs> which, which can yeah, be Yeah, and I mean, and it's interesting, like you mentioned Mike, because I was thinking about Mike, like, for example, he'll talk about like, oh, I just started this new niche site, which good, good that he can do this. But he's like, mm-hmm. I just started this new niche site and, you know, he'll get like, a hundred posts up in like six months or something insane. Um, I've had my site for almost five years and I have like 125 posts and maybe I'm too, like there's a balance between, you know, putting out new content and getting your email stuff done and, you know, hosting events like this. I don't have time to write blog posts right now because I'm you know <laughs> a week from registration opening. <laughs> right. So be on babyhood. Um, and <laughs> oh, go ahead. Yeah. And, um, you know, do you make like a really, really great post the first time around, or do you kind of do like a half-assed one and then go back and fix it later? And there's not like a right or wrong answer, just, mm. you know, cause even if you make a really good one, it takes what, like three to six months before you're like, oh, this keyword is doing well. I should like beef up the part about that keyword, you know? So there's always going back and revising. Mm. And I think the other thing to think about, and again, with Mike said, like his niche posts, like, or his niche sites, the reason why they do so well and they have so many posts is because he's spent years floundering and then coming up with a process of, okay, I'm going to hire these writers here are the type of outlines I'm going to do. He has- Here's the SEO research that I'm going to do. But Mike's game with the, the niche sites, I don't know how many he has right now. I know a couple. Mm-hmm. He'll do them every once in a while as a case study, which is what I love yeah. and while I promote Mike because he he walks his walk. He wants to make sure his stuff is still always current and that it yeah. works, is that he's looking for traffic. Mm-hmm. So he's going for a volume game. You know what I mean? Like he's going for those exactly. high affiliate, um, occasionally ads, type of a scenario. So he's doing something very, very specific where if you're going for more of a lifestyle brand, it's going to be a different modality, right? Or if you want to ultimately sell coaching, it's not going to make sense for you to have a hundred blog posts in six months because you really should be trying to get clients as fast as humanly possible. So I just think that again, it does have to be how there, I think sometimes where people get confused that there's just so many different ways to make money. (laughs) And, there's and so you don't even realize that they're different. Things. Like you're just like, it's a blog at first. Yeah. Without, yeah. There's so many different ways to approach it. And I mean, I even still kind of shuffle back and forth between mm-hmm. the two, you know, like right now I'm hardcore into, you know, creating those relationships, making that network and doing my summit. But like the next quarter, I need a break from that. And like, I want to be excited to get back into writing, you know, and Like I've got my own products, making your own products takes time to build. Mm -hmm. So you're not going to be cranking out however eight blog posts a month or whatever. And I mean, to that point, Mike, he's already doing, he already has a business that's doing killer with selling how to do SEO. So he makes bank on that. Mm -hmm. And so he can hire out his writing so Mm -hmm. that that's why he's got the throughput. Yes, he does hire out the writing, which is fantastic. I'm so glad he can do that. But for those Mm -hmm. of us who it's like, I'm just now kind of starting to get a team, but you know, for the first several years, it was all me. And you know what that's like for you too. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> it's just, you can't do all that and have a life. No. And I think that where, and okay. yeah. And where sometimes that sort of, um, 
like wishy-washy or like that sort of indecision is going to be again, what model are you going to ride? Cause again, there's a lot mm-hmm. of different ways, even when people are like, Oh, I'm a blogger again, are you building more of a traffic ad affiliate income blog that ultimately has nothing to do with you per se? Maybe there's a picture of you on the about page, but it's something that you're ultimately buying to sell and flip. Like we had Chelsea on the podcast and I'll put a link to her episode down mm-hmm. below. Cause that was really popular where she talks about like, flipping different blogs or Elena from twins mommy. We had her on where she'll buy the blogs that are struggling and get the ad traffic on there. So it's very like hands off, or you can be like myself and Samantha who really want to be thought leaders in our industry and for our people. And so our models are going to be completely different than that sort of model, but none of them are bad. It's just different. Right. And even ours are different. Like I've, I'm kind of, in the middle, like I'm more towards, you know, this end with Kate, but like, I've definitely got some affiliate stuff. I don't have ads on there. I don't think I will just because of a few complications. Like I would rather focus on selling my products and, you know, but yeah, find what works for you and for your brand and for your values. Yeah. 1000%. And again, it might end up being a little bit of a mix there too. So Um, I have a student in my hybrid coaching program and she has a crafting blog. And so she sells her own stuff and is doing really well with that. But she also makes a lot of money with ads as well. So we're always sort of looking to make sure that we're balancing, still optimizing for things, but, and we've managed to get her email. So even though there are some ads on her site, it's still very prominent. We're still getting a lot of list growth and we're making sure that the list is paying for itself, is paying for itself and and then some. So I don't want anyone Mm -hmm. to sort of, get discouraged about these things because it can it can it can 1000 percent be a little discouraging so what would you say to people who are sort of newer maybe they're a blogger um they don't think that they want to do services because maybe they've got another job that they have or they've got the three kids so being on somebody else's timeline just isn't something that they can do right now what would be your advice as opposed to that researching to how to start a blog what would be your advice for somebody who is starting out on this journey to try to do their brave thing? I mean, find someone that you trust, that you can trust and follow them, you know, and there's different people who can help with different sta- stages. So like Tracy Phobes, um, she's fantastic for like really beginning bloggers. I am doing coaching with Jenny Melrose right now, and she's amazing for like intermediate to advanced bloggers kate of course for the email marketing i like love how much i've learned from kate um even yesterday like a sales page that i made someone's like oh this looks really good and i was like yeah kate taught me everything (laughs) (laughs) um you know so it might be that you kind of have someone that you follow for like six months to a year and then you kind of move on to like find the next expert in the thing (laughs) you need to learn next and go from there 100%. And again, at the beginning, I know everyone wants to see instant results and we would love that too, but I would say find a mentor or a course or even like a small product that somebody is generating money the way that you want to generate money, or at least the way that you think you want to generate money. And then before, before you can buy the next thing, yeah, before you can buy the next thing, you don't have to complete it. Like Samantha, I know the A student is Samantha's like, yes, you need to watch everything and do every handout. You need to implement <laughs> some of the stuff to actually get results, right? Before you can move on this to the next thing, like you have to let it run 
its course, right? Like, and again, they should tell you if you're like, no, okay, like I just want to do niche sites, get Mike stuff. It's fantastic, right? Do what Mike says, yeah. but don't like in the middle of the course, niche hop to be like, you know, I want to focus on Instagram now. No, stay the course, which can be really, really tough, but it'll yeah. work if you give it enough time and the proper attention. And that's why you find the mentor. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And um, just know that you can do it like, Make yourself, I have to make myself a little daily checklist. I almost never do all the things on my daily checklist, but I've gotten to where I'm okay with that because I know I just move the rest of it to the next day, you know? I absolutely love that. So Samantha, where can everybody else hang out with you online? Where can they learn more about the things that you have to offer and how you can help families with your evidence-based blog? Yeah. So like I said, my primary website is evidencespacemommy.com. Um, that's where you can find all sorts of things from lots about breastfeeding to non-toxic living because, you know, the PhD to um, best parenting practices type stuff. From April 24th through 28th, so really, really soon, I am hosting Breastfeeding Beyond Babyhood. So like I said, it's a week-long event with, I think, 16 speakers um, from all around the world, it's going to be freaking amazing. And we're talking about all those different things that can come up during the, um, during breastfeeding or chest feeding past the first year. So hopefully we'll have the link below for that. If you want to register, it is a free event and we would love to have you. Excellent. We will definitely put a link to that in the show notes. So that way you guys can check it out again, see how Samantha's sort of running things. I'm sure that she's got a launch plan on the back of that because again, she is a savvy business owner and all of those sort of great things. Um, what freebies do you have over at Evident if Based Mommy in case if our, you know, babies are beyond that breastfeeding stage, what else can people come yeah. to you for? That's true. So I have something called Mindful Mamas Connected Kids. So it's all about, you know, it's, you know how it is when you get home because I've worked outside the home for years, but you come home the toddler's clinging to your head, to your leg, like having a meltdown. You know, your oldest one is wanting you to watch her do a cartwheel and the other two are fighting and you're just trying to get dinner ready because they need to eat and you're exhausted and you're just ready to snap. So Mindful Mamas Connected Kids is all about helping you, you know, stay in the moment and realize like it's going to be okay. You can do this and be present for your kids. I absolutely love that. So we'll put a link down to that below as well. Thank you so much, Samantha. I could talk to you forever about, Hey bestie, if you're enjoying this episode and you're getting anything out of it, I was wondering if you could do me a huge favor. That's only going to take you literally two seconds. Could you go ahead if you're listening to this on iTunes and Spotify and just click the star rating. You can leave five, four, three, one, I guess if you hated this episode, I understand how it goes and help me reach my goal. I want to reach 200 on iTunes and hundred on Spotify. And I have to tell you, we're not so close as of the time that I'm currently recording this uh, plea for you to help me reach my goal. So if you've gotten anything out of this episode or any of the previous episodes, go ahead, give me a virtual high five, high four, high three, and just go ahead and click those stars on wherever you're listening to this podcast. Back to the show. Well, look at that action taker. You made it all the way to the end. Kudos to you. So if you want to keep this do the brave thing momentum going, because let's be real, sure, listening to a 25 to 30 minute podcast can definitely get you amped, but what are you going to do the rest of the week? Make sure you're following me over on Instagram, Kate underscore Doster. There's a link in the bio. And if you absolutely love this episode, it would be fantastic if you could leave us a rating and review or share a screenshot and tag us on your Instagram stories. I'll see you next week.
later days.